great to be able to share with you tonight as we continue our journey through Acts, following how the Holy Spirit empowered the early church to spread the good news of Jesus. And as we read this passage, we are invited into this story and reminded that Acts is about what the church is meant to be, not what the church is to remember as its past. That this scripture is not simply just an encouraging moment to look back on, but is instead a very present calling to keep Jesus at the center of our lives. And I will be speaking tonight about how we live out this calling, looking at what it means to call on the name of the Lord. So as we come to tonight's passage, let me set the scene a little bit. We're in Acts 2, and we've just seen the moment the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, speaking in different tongues. As this extraordinary event unfolds, it spills out onto the streets, and people begin to question and mock what is going on, accusing the disciples of being drunk. It is at this moment that Peter stands and addresses the crowds filled with the Spirit. So let's read it together. Then Peter stood with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I don't know about you, but I find this passage so encouraging. We see the fulfillment of God's promises to his people, and later in Acts, read about how this moment leads to the salvation of 3,000 people. And it's not a bad encouragement for Peter either, given that this was his first sermon. I would be pretty encouraged if we saw that happen this evening. You never know. <laughs> yeah, let's more Lord. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's it's clear that the Holy Spirit was sent to equip all people to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus, performing signs and wonders that convict people's hearts and stir in us a need for a Savior. It's this Old Testament promise that we also see in Romans 10, a promise that is for all people, no matter your age, your gender, your background, that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And it is this promise that I want to focus on tonight, looking more deeply at three ways of calling on the Lord. Calling on the Lord for salvation, a continued calling on the Lord for sanctification, and becoming ourselves a called people. Salvation, sanctification, and becoming a called people. When I was growing up, one of my neighbors was an adventurer. He loved exploring the world and challenging himself to do extreme things. And one of these things was to try and break the world record time of rowing across the Atlantic Ocean in under 54 days, breaking the previous record by 10 days. 
He was not a Christian, although his wife and children were, and they regularly urged him to try an alpha course, but each time he refused. Despite making good progress, disaster struck on day 39 as they came head to head with the unfortunately named Hurricane Alex. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> the waves reached 30 foot, splitting their boat in two, leaving them stranded on a life raft in the pitch black and in the middle of a raging storm for hours on end. I can't even imagine, I can't even begin to imagine how scary that must have been. We often talk metaphorically about Jesus saving us from the storms of life, but for my neighbor, this was quite literally the case. In his darkest moments when confronted with death, he called on the name of the Lord, promising God that if he and his team returned safely, he would go on an alpha course and see who this Jesus person was really about. Skip forward 15 years, and this man is one of the most passionate people for Jesus that I know. He has committed his life to telling the gospel to everyone he meets. And I honestly can't remember a conversation with him that hasn't included the words hallelujah or revival is coming. <laughs> it was such an incredible transformation and a real life example of how the grace of Jesus can transform our lives. We may not all have such adventurous stories of our first encounter with the Holy Spirit, but the transformation is the same. We go from the storms of our old life leading to death to the still waters of new eternal life with Jesus. This is a salvation spoken of, that we will have relationship with God now and forever and will experience the fullness of life as we were created to be. And this passage reveals to us that the way of salvation is to call on the name of Jesus. So I want to unpack this a little bit. What does it actually mean to call on the name of Jesus for salvation? The practice of calling on the name of the Lord would have been familiar to the Jews gathered there in Jerusalem. And it is something we see continuously throughout the scriptures. The Old Testament Hebrew word call translates as to call out or cry unto. And we see this throughout the Old Testament with Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets and many others. And in today's passage, Peter draws the crowd's attention to an occurrence of this in the prophecy of Joel. However, there is a crucial change to the meaning of Joel's words, and it is in reference to the words, the Lord. Joel refers to the Lord as God, and this would have been understood by the Jewish people as Yahweh, the God of Israel. But in Acts, Peter refers to the Lord as Jesus, revealing Jesus as the pre-existent Yahweh, one and the same, he is God. And it is with this that Luke introduces a vital and complex theme in his work, salvation. So the significance of God choosing the Jewish festival of Passover, which commemorates the law of the giving of the law to Moses, as the time to send the Holy Spirit cannot be overlooked. Just as the law given to Moses in the first covenant had been the way of salvation, the coming of the Holy Spirit demonstrates Jesus' fulfillment of the law by his death and resurrection and God's new covenant for his people as he continues to reconcile all things to himself. The old way which required strict observance of the law for salvation is now replaced by a whole new way by which people are saved, recognizing our need for Jesus as Lord and Savior. This would have been totally life-changing for the Jewish people who had only ever known one way to relate to God. In New Testament Greek, the word call means to invoke a person, to call a person by name. This change to a personal approach further reveals that the way to salvation is through the person of Jesus. And I love how Tim Keller puts it when he said, when God decided to send salvation, he didn't send an airtight argument, he sent an airtight person. 
And this is the incredible news of the gospel. Our salvation is dependent on trusting in Jesus, in knowing Jesus, in loving Jesus. To call on the name of the Lord is to worship Jesus as Lord, literally meaning to acknowledge his worth, the title he deserves, and that he is indeed our risen Lord. Now, we know that God's heart is that every person would be saved, but his hopes for us don't stop at the moment of salvation. God wants to give us fullness of life here and now, and this only happens as we humble ourselves before the Lord and call on his name to transform and renew us, to sanctify us. We see in today's passage God's promise to pour out his spirit on all people, and it is the conviction of the Holy Spirit on our hearts which will remind us of our need to be continually renewed in the image of Christ through daily calling on him to be our Lord. To call on Jesus is to desire deeper relationship with him. We don't want to be a people just content with being saved. We want to know more the one who saves us. Let's take a minute to remind ourselves of who we are being invited into relationship with, who we can call upon. He is the saviour of the world, God incarnate and perfect love. And as Ant spoke so fantastically this morning, that as followers of Christ, we have been washed, sanctified, and justified. It's as we look upon Jesus and gaze upon his beauty that we are moved to want to become more like him, to be transformed into his likeness, to put to death any of the things in our life that spoil his image in us. And this is not an easy task, impossible even, but thankfully we don't have to rely on our own willpower to do this. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us on this journey to holiness. As we see in Acts, the, disciple were, the disciples were filled with God's Spirit at Pentecost. And Paul urges us to continue to be filled with the Spirit and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as we are transformed, we will begin to see the fruits of the Spirit, transforming hatred to love, greed to self-control, anger to gentleness, and darkness to light. This is the gospel. We are set apart from our old ways that lead to death and born into new life and fulfillment with Jesus at the center of our lives. And we will see this by walking in step with the Spirit and deepening our relationship with Jesus. As with all relationships, in order for them to grow, you have to get to know one another. Our relationship with Jesus is not like our human relationships, where as you get to know someone, you may find out less wonderful things, like they're a loud snorer, or they think a great date night is staying in and reading Lord of the Rings for the 11th time. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with Jesus, there is only 11, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but with Jesus there is nothing we find out about him that doesn't make us love him more and nothing we can do to make Jesus love us less and as I was preparing this message I felt like there were maybe some people here who needed to hear that that no one is disqualified from calling out on the name of Jesus a few years ago I fully distanced myself from God not because I didn't think I needed him or because I didn't love him but because I felt too unworthy and ashamed of who I was and fearful of facing up to the areas of my life that needed to change fear and anxiety had taken over my life and as I withdrew from a personal relationship with Jesus I lost sight of who he was and stopped calling upon his name and I fell deeper and deeper into despair and isolation maybe you're here tonight feeling unworthy 
like you don't feel that you can call on Jesus because calling on him would mean having to face up to areas in your life that you're not proud on. Perhaps it's been a long season of not calling on Jesus, not spending time with him. Or maybe there are just areas of your life that you don't want to bring to the Lord. I'll just bring the good bits, the bits I bring to church on a Sunday morning. Jesus doesn't need to see those other hidden bits. And when I was in this place of hiding from God, I met with some friends who encouraged me to call out to Jesus the truth about how I was feeling, admitting to God my anger, my frustrations, my sin. And I did. I remember the exact time I was driving on the M25 and I began calling out to Jesus. It wasn't eloquent or polite even, but as I began pouring out my heart to him, my anger, I remember being tangibly filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus met me in his perfect love and kindness. And in that moment, I was instantly reminded of who Jesus was, and I knew I was so loved. And it was from this place of knowing that I was loved that I was able to open myself up to the work of the Holy Spirit to continue the transformative work in my life, where his perfect love drives out my fear. My frustrations become his peace, and my sadness becomes his joy. And if this sounds familiar to you tonight, can I encourage you to bring these struggles to the foot of the cross in the assurance that that is something that can separate, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. As we see in Revelation 3, Jesus stands at the door to our lives and knocks. We just have to open that door to begin that conversation, to call upon his name and invite him in. And lastly, it is as we call upon the Lord that we are called ourselves to become a called people. And the calling we have as a people of God with the help of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus. We see this illustrated in today's passage. As the Holy Spirit is poured out onto the disciples, they begin to speak in tongues, displaying the power of God. As we spend time with Jesus, not only are we transformed into his likeness, but we are also empowered to live out our calling as witnesses. And I love how Tom Wright puts it. By the Spirit being poured out to ordinary people, servants, it seems to be indicating that the work of the new creation is beginning here in the upper room, where Jesus' family and friends have gathered, not in the temple, but here, where those who had been with Jesus and had seen him alive again after his resurrection, find themselves overwhelmed with the fresh wind of the Spirit and unable to stop speaking about what they have seen and heard. And my heart for us today is that we become a called people who so know and love Jesus, who have gathered in the upper room time and time again, expectant to see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we can't not share and not speak about him to everyone around us. And as Melanie and his friends shared so powerfully this morning over this community, it is when we draw closer to Jesus and get, that we get everything we need for this community to thrive. Today's passage also tells us that everyone is called. No one is excluded. Young and old, men and women, people from every nation, God has drawn it into his family. No matter your background or our failings, we can be used for God's glory. We see this through the life of Peter, who goes from fear and denial to giving the first sermon of the early church filled with the Spirit. Peter's redemption is an indisputable proof of the resurrection, for wherever the Holy Spirit is present, people of clay are changed into people of gold. And we too can be people of gold, people that reflect the light of Christ into the darkness of this world. 
As we call on the Lord, we become a called people, called to love those around us. Who can we love with the love that he gave us? And the full expression of this love is to point them to the only person who gives hope, gives life and saves, Jesus. Maybe you've lived a long time with the Holy Spirit and over time you've forgotten what life was like before knowing Jesus, how desperately people know, need him. Or maybe your personal relationship with Jesus has not been your priority for a while as the mundane tasks of every life, everyday life take priority. But let's remember the miracles that the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit represent. How the God of creation, of everything that we experience, manifests himself as the Holy Spirit and resides in us, with us. This is not a distant God. He is a personal God who loves us, who listens to and answers our cries and who cares for us so much that to restore relationship with us, he sent his only son to die at the most humiliating and painful death before rising again in glory. So as a church, as God's called people, let's be moved to compassion and take courage again to see people saved. Let's continue to be renewed, falling more deeply in love with Jesus and bearing witness to this incredible news by the power of the Spirit, that all who call on the name of the Lord, all who worship Jesus as Lord, will be saved. So I'd love to finish just by praying for us. So if you'd like to stand, if um, Lord, we thank you that you are a compassionate God who wants relationship with us. That your heart for this nation is to see every person come to know the love of Christ. And Lord, as we call out to you this evening, I pray that your spirit will work in our hearts and reveal to us the areas in our life where we need your grace and renewal. That your spirit will become an ever-present guide in the renewing of our mind, body and soul. Thank you for the calling that you've placed on this church to be a loving, unified and spirit-filled community who reflect your light into darkness and your love into places of despair. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. And we call on you now as our Savior.